Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington on the Soundcasting Network. This is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your dopest host with the most, Coach Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with lead Mountain Dog Diet trainer, Chris Edmonds. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Pretty good, man. I've uh, had a couple really good weeks of training, um, had some off time last weekend, and um, I know uh, the topic for today is you, you're going to go over somebody's post and kind of an old school uh, coach and motivator, and why don't we get right into that and um, you tell us uh, about this post and how it's motivating you. For sure, yeah. Um so I was just scrolling through uh, Instagram uh, one day this week, and Chad Nichols made this incredible post, man. And it really spoke to me personally, um, and I know it'll speak to a lot of you guys out there if it hasn't already. Um, Chad Nichols, to give you a background of who he is, um, he's like the OG nutritionist, guru, whatever you want to call him, and Chris Aceto. And you know, he, he originally was known famous for giving Ronnie the kickstart to his career. Um, I, at the time, I think he worked with like Kevin, and flex and you know when, once they linked ronnie up with him who was getting like dead last uh at all the shows on the european tours and olympia and stuff like that um that that's who really transformed ronnie to the beast that most people know today in terms of watching his youtube videos so let me just read this um it's a little lengthy but um it's powerful as hell so i'm, I'm gonna start there and then i'm gonna kind of talk about what it meant to me personally and where i'm at in my bodybuilding world right now so um, here we go. It says, I found a place today that I thought I'd lost forever. A place I hadn't visited in over 20 years. A place directly between evil and euphoria. A place I love. I walked in the gym today, turned my music on, pulled my hat down, flipped the switch, and there it was. Back again, like it had never left. No talking, no worries, no deadlines, no interruptions. Just me taking my body to the edge. It's one of my favorite places. If you're able to go there frequently, I envy you. If you have never been there, I feel sorry for you. And all I know is I hope it finds its way back much more frequently. And that's it. So to me, what does that mean? Um, as I explained to you guys, I, I had to take roughly 10 days off from training because I really fucked my back up again. Um, and anytime I go through one of those situations, I, I always fear that th my ability to redline like went away the and what i mean by that is the ability i have to go in the weight room have no fucking fear and attack the weights with reckless abandonment and you know one of the things that always drew me to bodybuilding and when i say the word heavy it's going to be relative but I, I like the idea of getting under a heavy fucking load and just going bananas on it and you rack it and you feel almost superhuman and it doesn't matter if I was natural or enhanced or, you know, where I am in a contest prep or in the all season, like those days I never want to end. Um, and that's what I look forward to and hope to achieve every single session that you walk into the gym. And, you know, some people call that redlining. Some people are taking that to an RP of 13. Um, it, it's that kind of place where it, just nothing else in the world in that moment matters and you know, it, it's a place of serenity for me personally. Uh, it's a place yeah. of just the ability to be able to block all distractions out in your life. You know, it, it doesn't matter if your bank account has 
$100,000 in it or zero. It doesn't matter if your wife just divorced you. It doesn't matter if your kids don't want to see you. It doesn't matter if you're poor, rich, have a great job, don't have a job at all. Like that moment can affect anyone. And the impact that had on me as a person is the why I train. And, you know, I, Greg, as I told you when we were chatting about this beforehand, um, you know, when I eventually lose the ability to redline and, and do what Chad described in that post, I'll probably give up. I say probably, I will definitely give up competitive bodybuilding because yeah. that to me is the edge that I have in the gym and what sets me apart from people who have superior genetics than me um, is that right there, that what he speaks about. Um, and it's powerful. It's a powerful message to me because it, it's the exact opposite of what you see is shoved down our throats via social media with today's training, today's mindset and outlook and competitors. Um, you know, the, I always sound like a dinosaur or a caveman when I say this kind of stuff, like I, I crave that Dorian Yates head down in a dungeon. Nobody sees you just you and your training partner versus the weights. And yeah. I feel like sometimes we have gotten so far away from that as a sport or as a culture or whatever you think, want to call this bodybuilding physique realm that we train in. Um, but I don't think he could have summed that up any better. You know, yeah. some people are super fortunate and, and they can go in the gym and be bananas because they've never had an injury. They've never experienced a setback. Um, and then the people who have never gotten there, like, that's the reason I love training people one-on-one in person is so I can teach them how to get there or what that experience is like to be able to just go until your body shuts down. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, not, not, not to, to jump on this rant or whatever, like of overtraining, but so many, so much literature is out there and so many people shoving the word overtraining down your throat. Like we get questions on that every week about our training programs like, oh, you guys are going to overtrain people or you train the body part too many times. Like it, when, when I think about when I got back into the, when I got into bodybuilding as a, as a late teenager, early twenties, the word overtraining wasn't even a thought. Um, I don't even remember right. that word being around. Um, and, you know, to me, there is no such thing as overtraining. It's under eating and under recovery. It, nine times out of 10, most people are not going to the area that he's talking about in that post. Yeah. Meaning if you walk into a gym today, how many people were truly training to failure? Um, and, and that's a question that I know we'll talk about at future episodes, but you know, the next time you walk into a gym, just, just look, look around um, and see who's training hard, see who's focused, see who isn't concerned about their outside life. Because to me, like when I walk into a gym that's my personal time. That is my, I don't dick off on my phone and that's not because I want to shut the world out. It's because that's my personal time of almost meditation or therapy or whatever you want to call that. Um, that's the, you know, I think about when I walked into a football field, I'd have never dreamed of having my fucking phone in my back pocket and Instagramming me and my buddies running routes or running gassers. Right. And I'm like doing a motivational video in the middle while I'm supposed to be recovering from a gasser <laughs> or an Oklahoma <laughs> drill or, you know, whatever. Like, can you imagine right. that? Like, that's what I think about today when I walk into a gym and I see people doing that shit. Because to me, the gym is like football to me. You know, I, like I said, I never would have 
had my phone out on the sidelines of a game. I, I wouldn't have had it in the locker room. Like you cherish those moments um, of nothing else matters. You know, when you, when you're on the football field, your grades didn't matter. You know, it didn't matter if your professors were pissed off at you or you had homework to turn in. Like you didn't think about that. It's you go time. The, yeah. You were with your, yeah. you were with your teammates. Um, and all that mattered in that singular moment was, am I willing to lay, my life on the line for those other 40 boys or other 40 men. Right. Um, and, and that that's powerful. That speaks to me. That's, that's what well, let that me, post means. Go ahead. Let, let me ask you something. Cause it, it sounds kind of like what Chad's talking about and what you're talking about is kind of what athletes are known to get into in, 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 in the word, uh, the zone, or they also right. call it flow. Um, yeah. and, I've achieved this a couple times in football games. It didn't happen all the time, but there was a couple big games that I had in high school and college where everything slowed down and it was like I was in slow motion and and the game wasn't fast. If if any of you have played athletics, anything from jiu-jitsu tournaments to football to basketball to what have you, there there's a game time speed and a competition speed that's really fast. And some people thrive in it. Some athletes can't handle it because it, it moves too fast for them. Some of the better athletes, like you take a Michael Jordan or you take uh, any, any like top boxer, top athlete, a fighter, um, they get into this thing where when they're competing, when they're fighting, when they're playing, when they're on the court or the field, everything slows down and they can see things better um, more enhanced and, and in a slower manner than everybody else, even though it's going at real time speed and fast speed, everything slows down when you get into this zone and it makes things real easy. Um, yep. and I, I wonder if he's talking about that when, because sometimes I get that in training and I, my body yep. feels good. I got no aches, no pains. I can push. I can go heavier, not as heavy as I once did, but I can push and then your body, you feel how sore your body gets. Um, it doesn't always happen like that, but I think that's what he, and is that kind of what you're referring to? Do you think it could be explained as kind of getting to the training zone, if you will? Oh, with, without a doubt. You know, what yeah. the most iconic to me of the zone, right, is... Michael Jordan playing the Portland Trailblazers in the playoffs, um, or eventually, I guess, sorry, it wasn't the playoffs. It was the playoffs, but it was the NBA championship. And he hits yep. those like seven threes in a row. And he hit one over double, you know, he's double covered. And he just goes, like, runs past Phil Jackson, his coach, and just shrugs his shoulders. And it's like, he does, even he, the greatest basketball player on the planet and ever to play the game, in my opinion, didn't understand how that ball went in. And it's because of that yeah. zone that you're talking about. You know, it's you know, I, I remember in my opinion, Tom Brady, fourth quarter against Atlanta Falcons, down twenty-four. That dude was just filling it, right? Right. Every throw he made. It's almost like I always try to talk about that is it's like those guys see the future before it happens. Like right. he goes to the line of scrimmage, he knows the coverage, he knows what they're gonna run, he knows where the defensive backs and linebackers are gonna be. And he audibles or he picks the route that's going to best beat that defense. And he already knows before the ball's even snapped how many steps he's going to take, 
where he's going to look the safety off, where he's going to throw the ball when the receiver hits the fifth step, for example. Like, that is what we experience, to me at least, when you go into the gym and shit feels light. Like, you know, you pick yeah. up 100-pound dumbbells and it feels like they're the 50s. Um, you know, when you put a squat bar on your back and you got 315 on there and it's normally heavy for 12 and you somehow get 23. Um, that it's almost zone. scary in a way. It's almost scary <laughs> yeah, in a way yeah. because like a week or two before something feels heavy and then it feels got awful light and you're gone. It's almost like you, 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 you think it's, it, it feels like it's something is not right because you're so strong that day. Oh, yeah. And I right. wonder if that is just, uh, I wonder if it has to do with an energy thing and a vibe in the body or if it's all mental or if it's a combination of mental and physical, whatever it is, it's gladly accepted. I love it when it happens. It doesn't <laughs> always happen. I know, you know, you have to have good sleep. The nutrition has to be there. A lot of different things need to be there. I think guys, if you have a phone um, and you want to take pictures and you want to do some kind of motivational post and you're an, you know, you, you, you want to be inspiring, get your workout in, do it after the workout or have somebody, you know, make like a training partner, maybe film you while you're doing stuff, but don't let it affect your workout where in today's society, you feel like you're taking all these breaks and you're really not focusing on your workout. Cause I think another thing that Chris is talking about here is focusing on you in the training and you in the weights and you in the workout and going to battle with it and, you know, getting that workout in, pushing yourself beyond your limitations or your self-perceived limitations that your body has when you feel like you can do so and, and, and kind of tuning everything out. You, you need to tune if um, the top athletes, the top bodybuilders, the top, you know, people in any division have the ability to do this with their training. They don't fuck around. Like, they, like you don't go into the gym to be a social butterfly and, you know, uh, fiddle fuck around with your friends. You go there to train because you want to get better and you want to enhance your physique and you, and, and you need to go in and put in the work is, is basically what Chris is saying and what Chad Nichols is, is referring to. And you need to remove all outside distractions. You know, you, the kids, the, the school, the job, the stressors, all that stuff, you know, it, it can take an hour to 90 minutes off while, yep. while you're training. And, and I think it deserves that. I think you, you deserve that. Uh, otherwise, what are you doing in the gym? If you're just there to do posts, then go in and, you know, get your phone going. Uh, but if you're there to uh, work out hard and, you know, make your gains and reach your goals and get what you want to get out of the workout and get better on a week to week, month to month, year to year basis, then, then you know, show it, prove it. You know, I, I trained back today. Uh, it was lunchtime. It was like 1230. And I go in there, and it's a local competitor, uh, a, a, a men's physique competitor. And if I can kind of paint a picture, and I'm not trying to talk shit because, listen, we all were small at one point. The dude's probably 6'3", maybe 175, 180, maybe. Right. So, to, to, first of all, for him, in my mind, to call himself a competitor is, is kind of laughable uh, because he has no really appreciable muscle. And, you know... 
he's in there with two chicks. One one of the girls is in jeans and a and a North Face jacket, and they're laying on a bench. One's laying on a bench. One's sitting on the floor, all stretched out, and they're sitting there like in a circle, joking and laughing. Right. And my initial right. thought was, this isn't a fucking slumber party. Like, he they're in there hitting poses and doing quarter turns, and like he's trying to teach them how to lift with no rhyme or reason. Um, right. They're doing goblet squats, and and both all three of them have like that god awful butt wink because they're trying to go way too low, and the form's terrible. And I'm like, this is someone who calls himself a competitor, who's clearly training clients, and. Right. All three of them need help with form and technique and building their physique, much less it's the blind leading the blind. And it makes me fucking angry. Like, you know, if you're in there to get better or you're in there to like chase pussy, like two totally different topics. You know, I always joke (laughs) uh, when, when I when I see that happening, I'm like, listen, you're either in the if you if you want to see tits and ass, you go to a strip club. If I want to train and get better, I go to the gym. (laughs) Right. <laughs> and yeah, for you sure. know, it, listen, uh, it, that makes me sound like I'm like a old dinosaur, like, oh, God forbid somebody has fun in the gym. Like, it's not what I'm getting at. There's time before and after a training session to do that. Um, if if I was sitting on the floor like those three were in my high school weight room, my, my football coach, A, would have kicked me out of practice for the day or conditioning for the day and told me to, if I plan on coming back. Not only did I have an extreme punishment to do, but I was going to get my ass kicked in the next session um, if he even allowed me back on the team. And, you know, maybe I was raised in a different environment. I definitely was raised in a different generation than these kids because they're, shit, mid-20s if I had to guess. Um, right. Which is significantly different than, you know, me being in my mid-30s. Um, but the idea of going into a gym and just bullshitting your way through it, like, I'd rather just not waste my time. Um, you know, if I'm going to go in and do something, I'm going to be, do my best or at least try my best. Um, and it kind of just blows my mind, just the lack of focus, the lack of detail, the lack of thought that goes into a training session for most people or, you know, like, why are you even there? Um, if you're going to sit around and talk, go to Starbucks. If you're going to train, train. Um, and and, you know, do you think that's a, is that, is that? Um, part and parcel because of what is thrown out there today in today's society and what is acceptable for, for people in the gym. Do you feel that was, cause I don't, I, I started working out seriously in the eighties for football and then late eighties in uh, high school football, I kind of joined this bodybuilding gym. Actually, Michael Hearn belonged to this gym, a bunch of big powerlifters and bodybuilders at the time. This was a serious freaking gym that had motivational shit on the walls and it was filled full of chalk and weight belts and straps and guys just getting after it. And um, we didn't have people prancing around in this gym. Not to, not to get on though, back in my day, because, right, <laughs> because right. I'm not trying to even like go there, but, but in a way I think today there is, um, such a focus on looks and such a focus on, I mean, we all wore baggy, baggy crap in the eighties. Uh, we had baggy <laughs> sweatpants, baggy tops, T Michael gear, um, striped <laughs> right. shit, 
<laughs> and and we all wore belts and straps and wraps and tried to go as heavy as we fucking could. And right. I, 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 I don't feel like that hardcore, let's really get down and train hard for hour and a half, two hours. And, 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 you know, it's probably not even safe to work out two hours anymore, but that's how we used to get down. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like the work ethic is gone. Um, and, and somehow it, it's, it's left and people rely on all kinds, you know, angles and filters and photos and, you know, these kind of frilly workouts when, when the hardcore put your hat on, put it down, put the phone away, get after the weights and get in your zone and go to battle, uh, go to battle with yourself, get better week to week and, and, and push your ass. Uh, if you're not pushing your ass, somebody ought to be pushing you because I, I know, uh, you know, Chris and I, and guys who've been in this game for decades, we know how to push ourselves, but we also have coaches that model for us. So we look to the Mark Dugdales, we look to the John Meadows, we look to the, you know, Ronnie Coleman's of yesteryear and the Dorian's and Arnold's and these guys all had that work ethic um, Corey Everson, Rachel McLish, you know, if you want to go back to women also, it's not just guys, there's a lot of women that paved the way, uh, Linda Murray, uh, yep. and, and work just as hard as the guys do and have amazing freaking physiques on them. And they're not just worried about how their ass looks and, in, in, in a pair of tights or, you know, how ripped their abs are. Um, and, and, you know, you know, playing in the weight room. So I, I think, I think, uh, what we're talking about is get serious. If you need a coach, get a coach, get somebody to give you the programs, put in the work, get the recovery in, you know, eat your meals, uh, you know, do all the things you need to do and take all the extracurricular shit out of your training and, and leave it where it's supposed to be out, outside of the gym. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you have maybe five to nine hours max in the gym a week. Like that's nothing. That's, that's like a fraction of your week in terms of hours. Right. So I I just never understand like that mindset of if I'm in the gym, I'm there to fucking train, not to text, not to make phone calls or dick off. Like as as that mindset really like just doesn't click with me and, you know, kind of tying this all in Shelby always used to, and you'll see him posted on Instagram from time to time or Facebook. He'll say, the more years that I trained harder and didn't miss a meal, the better people said my genetics got. <laughs> right. So right. if you let that when it, when, sink, if you let that, yeah, it, was, it wasn't <laughs> genetics. <laughs> no. It wasn't genetics. Right. So you let that sink in, right? And I'm sure you've heard it. I'm sure, and, and I know I hear it, right? You get in, in crazy shape in contest or in, your, in the off season, you're you know, as big as you are. You, people always say, man, God your genetics or, you know, it comes so easy for you or it's so easy for you to get lean or, you know, fuck if I, if I ran as much drugs as that guy over there, like that's what I'd look like. Or, you know, they try to justify in their mind, like, you know, it's almost like a backhanded comment. Like, you know, they'll say, man, you look incredible. Um, your genetics are just great. Um, you know, I have a guy that used to come to the gym I trained at and he'd always say, man, you're so lucky your, your genetics to grow legs is just, it's through the roof. Like you don't know how fortunate you are. And I just shake my head and nod. And I'm like, listen here, motherfucker, you wouldn't last 20 fucking minutes training legs with me. Um, and that's just doing warm up. 
Because yeah. to him, a leg workout was a few leg extensions, talk to some chicks, do some leg press, maybe like three plates aside, go over to leg curls and then go train arms. That's what his leg day was. You know, and, I so I work at a couple different gyms and it's funny just to interject real quick. I oh, work yeah. out at um, a gold gym with Mark Dugdale sometimes. I also work out at a bunch of LA fitnesses. Um, and, the, and the golds is a little bit more of a serious um, atmosphere, but there's still some people going in, kind of going through the motions. If you look at most people that are in the gym working out, even guys that compete, they really don't get it. And they don't get the work that goes behind what makes a truly great physique. And it's not, and it's not drugs and it's and to a lesser extent, it's, it's not genetics, but it's hard work because there's a lot of people that have had just very average genetics that do very well in bodybuilding, um, make a name for themselves, go pro win shows. I, I, I feel like Mark Dugdale and John Meadows are, you know, they're kind of short squatty guys, but they're not like these freaks of nature naturally. No. I mean, they might've been a little stocky as kids. And if you look at old pictures of Mark, he had no upper body, you know, he just kind of had a little bit of legs and he was kind of small. He was like 150, 160 pounds in high school. Um, and, and then he decided he wanted to be a bodybuilder and started training hard and transformed his body and had these freaking legs from like Zeus and, and, and then over 10 to 15 years, he built an upper body, but his arms were weak for like 10 years. And now you look at his upper body and there's not a weak part on it. And, <laughs> right, yeah. um, and this was done through hard work and that grind, that work ethic, that going in every day, that, that shutting everything else off and turning on what you need to turn on. And if you've, if you've been an athlete, if you've trained with a team, if you've gone through the hard practices and the hard games in a competitive nature, in a competitive setting, that's the same attitude and the same philosophy you have to take into the gym every day. Now, I, I'm not saying that you have to redline every workout. If, if like you're in your 30s and 40s and you've got compromised joints, don't. <laughs> that's the worst thing I, you know, I, I but when, when I can... I fucking push my body to the limits. I pushed it so hard that, you know, tendons have snapped. So, and, and you have to be able to, if your body feels good when, and most people's, you know, most people are younger and probably listening to us and can redline a lot easier than <laughs> as you get older, as you get older, we have right. these problems like shoulders and backs and, and triceps and, um, diff different joints that are compromised that you have to kind of, you have to fall back on a little bit. Um, but when you can, when I can, and when my hat goes on tight and I feel good and I can push it and it, there, there's, there, there's no other greater feeling. And, and yeah, I don't know how else to explain it, except it, I leave the gym elated. I leave the gym. Yeah. I actually, I actually will take pictures and send it to Chris because I'm so freaking giddy about the workout that I was able to get off a certain amount of heavy weight or something heavier than I'd done in two or three years. And I'll actually brag about it to you. Um, and I'll always send pictures and say, Oh my God, I got this great leg workout in. I did this. I went back to this program and nailed it and went up to so many plates and went heavier than I've done in three years. And 
it's it's about those little PRs. It's about pushing yourself beyond where you were and being comfortable in your workouts. These shouldn't this shouldn't be a comfortability thing where you just go in and it's a photo shoot. There's nothing comfortable about hard work. You should be exhausted, somewhat exhausted. You should feel elated. You should have that, you know, that dopamine release of of working out, that endorphin release um, that you get, um, and you know, not get the little stupid dopamine hits off the Instagram like most people do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you just simply look around when you're training, notice how many people aren't even sweating. <laughs> Um, yeah. And again, yeah. it goes back to me as an athlete, I guess. Like, if I wasn't pouring sweat during a warm up, when we were like doing our stretches, doing our dynamic stuff to warm up, I, I wasn't doing something right. You know, unless we were playing football in the dead of winter and it was snowing, that's going to be the only time I'm not going to be pouring sweat. If it's in the fall or shit, definitely the summer, you get fucking sweaty just walking to the practice field. Um, but, that's what I think about when I train and, you know, sweat's like beating off my nose to where it's like dripping in my eyes. It's annoying. But so many people are going there and, you, and they, they start the workout, they finish the workout and their clothes look the same. They don't even have to change shirts. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, what the fuck did you just do? Right. Um, if I walk on a treadmill at a three incline at three speed, I'm still, I have sweat on my lower back and my fucking ass is sweating. Like, I don't get it. Um, and, and it's just gotta be lack of attention to detail, no forethought, no programming. Yeah. And at the end of the day, all those fucking people can say, Oh, I'm here to get better. I'm here chasing dreams. I'm on that grind. Like to me, eat a fucking dick, bro. Like you aren't there to be serious. If you want yeah. to do, I don't care what it is. If you want to have abs on the beach, if you, you know, want to pick up more chicks, like, to me, it doesn't matter. Like if I'm whatever my goal is, or whatever my client's goal is, we're gonna attack that with reckless abandon. And if you're with me for thirty minutes for an hour, hour and ninety, like we're gonna get after shit. And we, you know, when you leave a session, like you got your money's worth, and no chips are left on the table. Like I don't need you to throw up in the trash can every time we train. And that's not what I yeah. think either of us are saying. Um, and, and throwing up is not an indication to me of redlining. Um, redlining to me is taking a mu muscle to utter exhaustion. It's pushing your body further than your mind thinks it can go. Um, right. one of the guys who I follow incessantly, uh, on social media is David Goggins, a retired Navy SEAL. Um, and if you have time to, if you guys have time to just like, listen to some of his posts, listen to the podcasts of him and Joe Rogan. Um, he talks about how people only tap into 40% of their pain threshold. And yeah. that's super powerful. Um, now, freak shows like him, those guys, they tap into, even he will admit he's never been to 100. Uh, he says, if you truly take your body to 100%, it's, you're dead. Um which is an interesting philosophy if you think about it. Um, yeah. he, he portrays the first time he ran over 100 miles, he'd never ran over 30 miles in his entire life. And he wanted to qualify for this race called the Badwater. And the guy, the race director said, you can qualify for my race if you show up and do this. It's like 100 miles in, in 24 hours. And he's like, okay, fuck it, I'll do it. And at like <laughs> mile 70, um, his legs don't move. He has full back spasms. 
He completely shit himself. And his wife looked at him. He said he's sitting in like one of those like fold up lawn chairs and he's eating, drinking Myoplex lights and trying to eat crackers. And his wife said, you got 30 more miles. What are you going to do? And he goes, I can't move. I can't, I can't even move. Right. And he said, she looked at me. I looked at her and I got to running. And he said, I don't know what I did for those last 30 miles. I don't remember. He said, but when I got home, he said, black sludge was leaking out of my dick. Um, I was in full rip rabdo and wow. I, he's like, my muscles were convulsing. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and redlining. <laughs> he, he said, my wife called 911 and the paramedics were like, get him to the hospital immediately. His body's getting ready to shut down. Yeah. And he said, I looked at her and I was like, honey, let me just sit here for two minutes and enjoy this shit. This is a victory. And she's like, what? And he goes, I ran 70 more miles than I've ever ran in my entire life. Yeah. And just let me enjoy this. And he's like, he's like, man, my whole body ached. He said, I thought I was dying. He said, to this day, that's the worst he's ever felt in his entire life after, you know, some kind of physical activity. And, you know, if you listen to any of his stuff, you know, it's all about mind <laughs> over body. And, right. you know, most people wouldn't have dreamed of running a hundred miles. I, I sure as hell don't. I don't even know how to approach that physically or mentally. Uh, but he just woke up one day and said, let's try something hard. Let's try something aggressive. And yep. it's that chasing a dream, chasing a task and not letting your mind slow you down. And to me, I mean, that dude, if you listen to his story, he was like 300 and I think 310, 305 pounds, and then he had to make the military. He had to drop, lose 100 pounds, and I think it was seven weeks, and he did it, <laughs> which is another crazy task, right? Yeah. Seven weeks, over 100 pounds off. Um, if you listen to his stuff, like, as you can tell, I speak passionately about it. I've, I've listened to his original podcast with Joe Rogan probably four <laughs> times, and it's three hours long. Um, it's that powerful. It will change yeah. your life. It will change your outlook on pushing your body and it doesn't necessarily have to be physical. It could be if open a new business. It could be, you know, being more active with your kids, what, whatever your goal is, he just talks about attacking it. And I think that's what we're getting at with this episode. You agree? Oh, absolutely. I, I think the takeaway is, um, pushing beyond your limitations and self-perceived, uh, limitations and pushing your body farther than you think, it can go. Um, and it, it's, it's a mental battle. It's, it's not even physical for the most part. No. Not yeah. Okay guys, for Chris Edmonds, I'm Greg Jones. Thanks for listening to another episode of physical culture radio. Tune in next week.